For those of you who don't know me, man, I'm, my name is Duncan Dotson. I hope to serve and, and, and resource um, our group leaders um, here at Redeemer. And, and at Redeemer, what groups are, uh, um, life groups are about here is we want to create um, a place where you can exercise the rhythms of, of a healthy Christian, right? And so that's a place where we come after Sunday and throughout the week, we, we meet together and, and we have time to just to, to pray together and to read together and to congregate together and to hold one another accountable, right? That's, that's what life groups are here at Redeemer. And I get a chance to help the life group leaders help you. So if they mess up, it's my fault. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) That's on me. If you're looking for someone to be angry with, I'm that person. I'm going to put this down here because it is in my way. Um, But uh, so so yesterday, man, I had I I, I, we we all um, met together. And if you have a if you're married to a life group leader, I'm sorry. I kept them here for three hours and uh I apologize. I was a little excited about what we had coming up for 2018, and I overprepared, right? And so hopefully I don't overprepare um, today. I already have 35 minutes left, which means like somehow sand is going through my hand. I'm losing it. But I came home yesterday from um, from that long meeting, and I was I was revved up to get um, prepared for you guys. And so I came home, and I usually try to take a um, a walk and talk to myself, right? Well, I, I preach, I've already preached to you guys. You, just, you guys just weren't there for it. Um, so I take a walk, and I, was, I, I, was, I wanted to get on that walk, and my dad grabbed me before I left and was like, man, I need help with my car. So I don't, I don't have anything for y'all to do. And I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. But what, what, um, what happened was um, before I went on my crazy walk, where people really did look at me like I, was, I had lost my mind, um, before I went on my crazy walk, I, I, I walked away um, thinking, man, this is community, right? Because my dad grabbed me, and he asked me to give my attention, my body, and, and, and my time to him to help him do what he was doing. And I know for a fact, because he has worked on my car before, and he has given his attention, his mind, and his body, and, 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 and his love to me by by working on the car for me, and that's community, and that's what I'm here to talk to you today about. That's appropriate, right? Like, I'm the group's leader, so I'm talking about community. Um, and, and, and so, but what, what I found was, man, as I'm getting up here to tell you about community, there's a way in which, man, I, there's nothing I can tell you, right? Like, how, how can I tell you what air is, man? You're breathing in and out every day, right? You have this innate sense of what air is for, how can I tell you what your hand is? You use it every day. It picks stuff up, man. You don't need to tell me which bones are which. I can pick up this piece of paper just fine without all that knowledge. Thank you very much. <laughs> right? Um, so there is this innate sense that you have of community. It exists in you with, from the very, very youngest years when you wanted to be a friend to somebody, right? Like you saw that little boy walking down the street playing with the football, and you looked at your mom like, oh, I want to go. I want to be a part, right? There's a sense that there is something that is completed when we are together, right? But then there's, there, there is a, a sense in which we don't know, right? The, the biblical theory on this, and I say biblical theory, if, you're, if you are, um, have bought into the Bible, it is a biblical truth. But the biblical theory, if you're, if you're testing out the claims of the Bible, is, is that we do have this innate sense of what 
community is. We get that innate sense of what community is from who God is, right? God in himself is the perfect community. He is so close to himself. He supports himself so much. He, he loves himself so much that there is no one another in him. There is only one, right? He is that close within himself between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we reflect right? We reflect who God is. We, we reflect what God displays perfectly, and that's community. And so we are born with this innate sense. And, and here is where Kevin Wheat will make fun of me, because I always go back to Genesis, right? I always go back to Genesis because I, I think that is where we have a sense of who we were and what we lost. I think a, a good, any good sermon will do three things. It'll, it'll go back to Genesis, right? It, it, it might not necessarily uh, use that scripture. It might not say like Genesis 1 or Genesis 3, right? It, it might not mention the name of Adam and Eve. It might, might not do any of those things. But what it will do, it'll, it will reference the fact that we are missing something. That because of our sin or because of the brokenness of the world or because we misunderstand something because God is not present in our lives. That, that, that something is broken with us, and, and, and we can't quite regain on our own what we've lost. Man, we, we have a hunger with no food to fill it. We're, we're lost in the woods without a road to get back, right? There's something that has been lost in us. The second thing any good sermon will do is it'll point towards the cross where, where we will find satisfaction, right? The, 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 that... that, that that Christ and the cross has died and bled, and, and what he has done is he has redeemed us from being lost in the woods with no road, and he's given us a road to walk down as he walks along with us. But the third thing that it will do is that it will get, uh, give us a hope, right, that, that, that when God returns, all things will be perfect again. Because what, what has happened is Jesus Christ has come, and he's come into our hearts, and Yet we still find that we miss what community means sometimes. Mm. Got a little something in my throat. <laughs> we miss what, what community means sometimes. Sometimes we walk off of that path. And so the hope in, 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 in that, that God gives us in the end, that when he returns, everything will be perfect, that he'll come for a bride, the, the church, that has no spot or wrinkle. That hope that we have, that, that hope is, is, is what our driving force is. Because along the way, from, from us accepting Christ, Christ begins to perfect us to get closer and closer and closer and closer to that hope until he returns again. That's what a good sermon will do. It will call us towards something. It will tell us that we've been satisfied with the blood of Jesus, and it, it will tell us that there was something wrong to begin with. And so hopefully I can, I can accomplish that today, right? With the, I, I'm scared, y'all, because my dad took some of my time. I'm, I'm, I had to get some help from, um, from Shannon to, on the ending of this, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous. Anybody who called what happens in our stomach butterflies have never felt the nervousness I feel. I have a jackrabbit in my stomach right now, all right? Um, and so what I, what I want to go back to is what I just read to you with no reference of where we are, were. And I want you, us to go back to, to, to Romans chapter 12. And then 
um, after we do that, what I'm going to do is, is, is go back through all of Romans and explain what this means to us for community. And now this is why I'm scared, guys. I, I, was, on a, I was on a road trip with uh, Shannon one day, and, um, and we got into this conversation about what he wanted to do with his life, right? He said the first 20 years of his career, he wants to preach through 65 books of the Bible. The last 20 years of his career... He wants to preach through the book of Romans. I'm going to try to do it in one, 28 minutes. Uh, it's not because I'm better than him. It's because I'm worse than him. And he sees all types of stuff that I don't see. And so I'm going to try to move through this quickly. But I, there, there's a couple of things that I want to point out. So I want to read this again. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourself your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your, your spiritual worship. Man, isn't it crazy when you learn something in a different, um, in a different translation that when you try to read it, you, you insert other words? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, Shannon mentioned renewal last week, right? That we, we want to renew our mind. And I, I think a, a lot of times when we've heard this discussed, we, what we hear is, man, that means go read your Bible. Man, that, that means go meditate on the Word of God afterwards and, and just take it in. That means get around people and, 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 and renew. But, but if we just come here without any reference, of what Paul has been speaking about for 11 chapters, we can insert anything we want in that word renew, right? It can mean that I go and I do self-help to make myself better, right? Why isn't that a good interpretation of what's being said here? It can mean that um, I, 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 I get to um, go alone and, and, and never see another person again and just that will make me better. And I, I really, to be honest with you guys, I do think that will make me better. I won't have any problems if I don't get angry at someone else. I don't get mad, right? Like, and so what, what is to say that that's what renewal means, right? Well, Paul has been preaching um, for the, the book, the whole book of Romans about what community is. And, and he has been defining what, who we are, right? And I, I want to show you guys that. So starting in, in Romans chapter 1, in Romans chapter, chapter 1, Paul begins to, with this introduction, man, and, and Paul is my dude. This is my, my favorite book of the Bible. He has this way of just, of, of, of starting with, what's up, right? Just saying hi, just introducing himself, but infusing all types of, of gospel in it. So he says, hey, I'm Paul, the apostle of God, and by apostle, I mean this, right? And so he goes on and he, he begins this introduction, but he starts with these, use, these uses of pronouns that are so, um, they, they get, they, they're, they're, they're so subliminal that we can miss what they do to us, right? The purpose of pronouns is to give you who I am addressing, Right? And, and Paul uses pronouns throughout the book of Romans to, to, begin, define, to begin to define who us is. I realize that's bad English, right? But, but fo follow me for a second. Who is us? Who is that? 
And, and, and what Paul does in, chapter, in, in Romans chapter 1 is, is he begins with the, with, with the pronoun of we and I, we in, in, in verse 5, including you in, in, um, in verse 6, to all, to all in Rome and all of you. He again and again and again starts to define who we are, who us is, Right? And, and what Paul recognizes is, is what, what we recognize at some, um, at some level. In America, right, like our, our, our biggest value is freedom, right? Freedom. Like I land of the free. You know, I, I, what is it that you say, uh, Jordan? Uh, I, uh, I ride in on, on an eagle, <laughs> right? Freedom is our biggest value, or at least that's what we say. But, but really what that really Functionally, what, that, what, what we, our biggest value is, isn't, isn't freedom. Look, if you look at what we take away from people when they commit a crime, we take away their freedom first, right? Because we say, nigh of death, this is one of the worst things that can happen to you, is that we take away your freedom. But then beyond that, if, if that person is the most heinous of crime committers, nigh of death, what they take away from us isn't just our freedom, it's our ability to have an us, right? They put us in, in lockup, they put us in, in solitary confinement to take us away from everyone else. This, it is the worst punishment that you can receive is to, be, to, to not be able to define yourself in a group of people. It's not just freedom. It's who we are as us. And so Paul in, in, in Romans chapter 1 starts with us and we, and he, he begins to include everybody, everyone there. And then in, 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 chat, in, chat, in, in verse 17, he, he makes the switch, switch to they, right? He, he has been defining who we are. We are defined by the gospel in, in verse 16, right? He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? But then he moves from there and starts to talk about they. And the they that he's, he, he begins to reference in, 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 verse, in verse 17 is the they of the people who have worshipped created things and not the creator. So, so Paul says what is us is not people who worship what they, what, what they do on, in their nine to five. That's not us. And, and what else is in us is, is people who are so enthralled in another person that that is their highest form of salvation. That's not us. What isn't us isn't um, being able to, to be free of any obligations. That, that's not us. That's not who we are. When we define what it means to be Christian, we are not those who worship, who find salvation in things that were created. People our jobs. We are those who find salvation in the good news of Jesus Christ. So that's chapter one. In chapter two, he switches from a they to a you. Now here's the thing about the English language. I know I get into English lit class a lot. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> right? Here's the thing about English with, with, the, with the pronoun you. It's a little confusing because you don't know if I mean you as one person or if you mean, if I mean you as in y'all, as we would say in Texas, or you all if you were in Chicago, right? So you, you have no idea what, what, he, who, what the you he's talking about. But what, what happens in, in, um, in, in chapter one is that the translators make sure to put all for us to know that he is talking to the group of people. 
But what Paul does in, in the beginning of chapter 2 is move to, I want to talk to you, which is separate than us. Uh, uh, he, he, he has been using in, inclusive pronouns, and then he moves to an exclusive pro, pronoun, and he says, hey, you guys, He's talking to to Jewish people who have defined themselves by their culture and by their politics and by their blood, right? He, He talks to them and says, look, we are not those who follow the created thing. We are not those who worship the creation, but we are also not those. We are not, we are also not you who think you have salvation, who feel like God's word has been revealed to you, but instead you have, have supplanted that with your culture. You have supplanted that with the idea that you, the blood of Abraham runs through you, that it's your, it's your politics that make you good, right? That is not who we are either. In chapter 3, what, what Paul goes on to do is now says, look, all have fallen short of the glory of God, so both they and you do not belong to us. If you define your salvation either by worshiping the created thing, or by worshiping your culture and your, 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 um, your politics, either one of those things, you are not us. But instead, us is defined by Christ, who is the propitiation of our sins. In chapter 4, he continues to talk to the, the you of the Jewish person, right? He's from, from chapter 2 all the way up until chapter 10, he will be talking to, to this, this imaginary Jewish opponent, and he raises questions for them. And so in chapter 4, what he gets into is he's, he's talking about, man, look, it, we all are children of Abraham if we have faith in Christ, right? And so he goes into who Abraham was and what made Abraham's faith effective. It was not the blood of Abraham. It was the faith of Abraham. And this is how we get into the, the, the children's song, man. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons have father. Y'all know that song? Okay, cool. Um, but, but that's how we get into that, that, that song is that that Paul lays out that the, the salvation, the revealed word that, that the, the Hebrews got, as they got to know God through the promise of Abraham, they, they benefited not from his blood, but from his faith. It was not his blood that they benefited from. It was from his faith that they benefited. Chapter 5 goes into how... Um, how, we, how, how is it that God is justified to, to allow um, the, 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 a, a group of people that were sinful, that hadn't had the revelation of who God was, how is it okay for them to enter in? So he says, where sin has abounded, grace much more abounds. Right? What, what he tells them is, look, if they have had faith, no matter where they come from, no matter what their background was, no matter who they had been before Christ, it is not about the sin that they committed. It is not about the sin of their ancestors. What this is about is about the grace of God abounding through the faith that springs from their heart. And so when we are defining who we are, we define it by our faith. We don't define it by our blood. 
We don't define it by our politics. And so in, in, in chapter 6 and 7 and 8, what Paul does is respond to more, more um, objections that, that his imaginary opponent has. Man, I think that Paul was like me talking to imaginary people as I was preaching to y'all yesterday. He, he had this imaginary opponent. Um, and so he, he, he talks to, to this imaginary opponent because he realizes that there are going to be objections to this. What do you mean that sin that broke the world in Genesis, what do you mean that grace abounds above that? And so he says, look, should sin abound that grace much more abound, may it never be. Right? What he's saying there is, look, when, when, when the, what marks us as us is not that we have been freed from sin and that we continue in sin, but instead that we have been freed from sin so that we are free not to sin. Because what you were bound to wasn't not sinning. What you were bound to was before Christ, you were bound to sin. You had to sin. So when, when, when Jesus set us free, he did not set us free to sin. He set us free from sin. In, in chapter 7, what is, is, not chapter 7, but 6, 7, and 8, continue that argument. And then chapter 9, what, what Paul will do to, to, against his opponent is, is, is raise up and say, look, God is right to do this because his mercy is what defines. His mercy is what marks who he chooses not. It has nothing to do with what your birth order was. And what he meant by that, right, is that um, there was a story in the Old Testament of, of, of um, Jacob and Esau, right? Esau was the right one. He was the oldest son. Jacob was, was the younger son by a hair's breadth, right? Um, they were twins. And, and Esau was in line to inherit, but instead Jacob inherits. Why? Why did God mark Jacob against the culture that had been set up? Why did, why did God mark who Jacob was as, as, as the us? Why did God do that? Because it was his mercy and his decision. So what makes us us is that God chooses us. Not necessarily what, what the world would say is the proper order. It isn't just that we are Americans. It isn't just that, that we have cars. It isn't, those things do not make us better. It is the fact that God has chosen us, not because we're better, but because he chose to love us. Chapter 9. Chapter 10, what, what, he, what he will do is, is now in light of all those things, what, what, what he does is, is, is says in, in verse 10, 10, chapter 10, um, I mean, I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse 10, <clears throat> for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. There is no distinction between those who have political background and those who have blood background and those who have been in church their whole life and those who have, have done all the right things all through their life. They were a straight-A student. It is, it is not those who have the background, nor is there a distinction between those who have in the past worshipped, created things. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same 
Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so he, 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 he once again wipes the board clean. Now I want to be careful here. Because I don't want you to walk away thinking that what God has done is gotten rid of our distinction, right? Right? If, if you were born um, female, God gifted you with being born a woman. If you were born a man, God gifted you with being born a man. If you, if I, I'm, I'm, I'm a black man, for those of y'all who can't, can't see me on the podcast, right? I, I, am, a, I am a black man. Um, God gifted me with that. If, if you were born in the UK or if you were born in India or if you were born in America, um, God gifted you with that distinction. Look, we know this to be true because if we look at Paul, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, but he didn't become a, a Gentile to do it. He remained in his distinction. And after um, chapter 12, in, ver- in chapter 13 and 14 and 15, what Paul will do is deal with the fallout of us having distinctions, right? That sometimes those distinctions lead us to different conclusions. But how do we have unity of us? How do we be us if we're different? I'm killing the English language here today. So how, how do we do that? How, how do we do when what Paul will say is, man, look, if, if you guys disagree based upon your culture, if you guys disagree based upon some of the conclusions you came to because of how you grew up, and there is no right or wrong answer there, man, each go to his own corner. Be mature, but find unity in who we are. Right? That's, that's chapter 14 going into chapter 15. And so in chapter 11, switching back, in, in chapter 11, right, what, what has happened is he, he has dealt with his, his opponent who he knew was steeped in Bible and would understand what was going on um, in, in the Bible and would have objections to the Gentiles being included. And he has dealt with them. In chapter 11, he transitions to Gentiles, those who have, have worshipped, created things, and he looks at them and he says, man, don't get a big head. It, just because the, the branch before you has, has fallen, some of them have fallen away, don't get a big head and think that what makes us us is that we didn't have any of those distinctions. No, what makes us us is Jesus Christ and his blood and what he did for us. And so in, in chapter 11, he establishes, look to, to my Jewish opponent, no, we are not defined by the things that we do. We are not defined by the festivals that we hold. We are not defined by our tradition. We're not defined by our nation. We're not defined by the Constitution. I'm sorry, guys. Right? What we are defined by instead is God. And to the Gentiles, man, we are defined by God. And so that brings us to, to, to Romans chapter 12 again. And let me, I want to I read again for the third time. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice. Why? Because we are a community of us, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What does renewal mean there? When we go to renew class in March, what are we looking to do there? What are the boundaries of what renewal means? Absolutely, it means read the word. Absolutely, it means meditate upon the word, what, what the word has said. Absolutely, it means those things. But what that happens in the context of community. What Paul is saying, I want you to get a rid of what you have conformed to with the distinctions of who you were before. That's what he's saying there. Look, you have been conformed to what you came out of. And, and, and the ideas that those people have for us, it would be like me getting saved and saying, look, I'm going to maintain everything that I did before because that's who I am. And God loves me how I am, and I don't, I don't need to be transformed in any way. Right? But instead, God says, no, there, 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 is, there, there are things about your culture that you have to get rid of, and you have to figure out what that is. And, and here's the thing in community. Look, how do you know what is gospel and what is culture? As your culture takes in the gospel, how can you know when you have, have veered off of the road of gospel into the road of your own culture? Look, man, you, you need people around you that don't think like you. You need cultures around you that aren't your culture, that can help speak into what gospel is and draw you back. And when you see them flow from that, ro that road, you can call them back to what gospel is. And, and so how, how do we know that he's talking about community here? How, how do we know that he hasn't moved on to a different, to a different subject? Because the next thing that he says, the next thing that he says after that is, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but think with sober judgment, accord, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who con contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. This is Paul's vision of what the perfect church will look like. That he, he has moved from what defines us, what defines our salvation, and he moves, he moves from that into here is what we need to look like when, when Christ comes again, when he fulfills the perfect, he brings what is perfect from heaven, the, the kingdom of heaven on earth. 
So how, how do we do that? Some of you, you guys read those list of things and you're, you're a little scared because you're like, man, I can't. I can't do that. And then maybe there's some, some here that read those scriptures and man, like, now hold my beer. I can do that. Right? Like, I, I, I got it. <laughs> I got it. And, and so to the first, I, 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 I want to encourage you that, that the Bible says he who began a good work is faithful to complete it. And so if you are scared of this list that, man, you're asking me to put other people's burdens before, man, I, look, I realize I'm a selfish person and I struggle with that. Look, God is going to be faithful to complete that in community. To, to those of you who, who are saying, man, hold my beer, I got this, or, as I would say, watch this, <laughs> right? That's, those are the, the craziest, I'm about to do something crazy when I say watch this, I've, I've, I've broken my, my heel <laughs> doing crazy things in those, in those situations, man. And so when, for, for, to those people, I say, has, has renewal taken, taken its, its, um, its full course in your mind? Are you missing some things that you should be seeing in the word that challenge you that you might not have what this says? That you, you might not be loving your brother as you should, that you, that you might not be showing generosity, that you, your zeal has been lost. And so I want to I speak to two people today, and then I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm actually almost over time. So I, I want to speak to two sets of people today. To the, to, the, to the first set of people, I, I, I want to I ask, um, ask you to notice what, what Paul has, has stamped his flag in. He says that, that we, that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are defined by gospel. And, and so my question for you is, who are you defining yourself by? Look, you're going to congregate around what you find salvation in. Paul, Paul realizes that, and, and he plants his flag that we will define ourselves by salvation, by gospel. And, and, and I, I was going to tell a long story. I'll try to make it short. I was, um, I was, I was uh, at, a, um, at a family function. And I was talking to one of my uh, distant family members, and we got into a conversation about what would be good for black people, right? She defined us as black, right? That was her us. That's how she defined her community. And, and so her thing was we, like, man, I love diversity. Diversity is great, but we will never, as black people, find salvation until we pull away and deal with our own. Right? That was, that was her idea is that, look, they're, 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 no government will care about someone who doesn't look like them. And so her salvation was, let's pull away. And I said, I said to her, if you, if you go to Africa and you look at some of the countries, not all of them, right? There, there are some democratic countries that have seen prosperity come into African, African countries, but there are some African countries where there are black people who have governments over black people, and what happens is they hurt each other. It, your salvation can't be found in your race. Now, that's the easy one, right? 
That's an easy one. We all look back and, and, and think, man, yeah, that was crazy. Why would she say something like that? But let me ask you another question. What have you found your salvation in? What are you congregating around that might be easy to see in someone else's prejudice, but hasn't taken root in you understanding in your own? Do you, do you congregate around your own comfort? Right? Are you only looking for, for friends and family around you, your community that you call us? Are you only looking for people that when you are in crisis are not going to be contentious? Are you only looking for people to, that congregate around you that make you feel good at the end of the day? Is that how you define us? That, when, that, that it will never be an awkward conversation. That it will, it will never be feel like you hit or miss along the road. When you look and see where, where, where the road to satisfaction leads, do you point in any direction that, that counts to your own comfort? Do you define it by your culture? Do you define it by people who think like you or have the same political ideas as you do? Is that how you define us? Because if you do, what you will do is push away people that think different than you, people that are awkward, but have your best in mind and want to point you towards Christ and your salvation. But then I want to speak to another group of people. Maybe what, what you do is not congregate around your salvation, right? Or con you're, you're not congregating around what you find salvation in. Maybe you're, maybe you're pushing people away because you have fear in your heart or pushing people away because you're scared of what's going to happen. And to you, I, I have bad news and good news. The bad news is, if you're scared of getting hurt, if you're scared of bad things, if you're scared of, of, of you hurting other people, the bad news is you, you probably will, or it'll probably happen to you. But the good news is, and it's good news both for the person who pushes away and for the person who has congregated around something that does not define us, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is it. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the good news for the person who pushes away is that what the gospel will do is it, it will call you to, to enjoy and to, and to be a part of a community that worships God. It will recommend to you over and over and over again when you're in crisis, it will pull you towards leaning on God and not pull you towards leaning on your own comfort. For the person who who find salvation in who they congregate around, it will call you away from your other definitions. And it will call you to who God is and the glory that he shines. I was told that if I couldn't end well to say, and that's it. <laughs> and that's it. So I, I want to I I pray for us. And then I, I want to I encourage you guys, man. If you're not in, an active member of your life group, who are you congregating around? Or what is it that you fear? And if your theology is telling you that you believe in Christ and that Jesus is the ultimate, but you're functioning as if comfort or fear is your ultimate, do you really believe? So I, I want to encourage you, man, get in relationships 
that challenge you and that point you toward what our rallying cry is, who us is, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and then I also want to, to, to um, challenge you to, to get into a rhythm of reading on your own and reading with your community, praying on your own and praying with the community, congregating with God and then congregating with your community. Because it is only in that way that we can help others in crisis and recommend to them and then expand from there. Because our great commission isn't to meet. Our great commission is to go make disciples, extend who us is. I'm going to pray, and then Brian and the, the worship, um, worship band can, can come. God, I thank you for the many blessings that you give us in our fellow Christians. I thank you, Lord God, that they are there so that they will recommend to us you, that they are there to reflect your glory and who you are. And it is that innate sense in, in, within us that looks for community can be fulfilled, can reflect who you are when we dive into gospel community, when we worship you around other people, when we don't get alone on our own and try to renew by ourselves, by self-help, but instead we seek help from the God who is and the body that he left. Do that for us, God. Give us a renewed insight in that, into the fact that we need you and we need your church, God. That our salvation, Lord, is, is found in you, Lord God, and our comfort is found in your body, God. I pray, Lord God, that we would depend on you and not our, ourselves, or not our own opinion of what community is. And I pray, Lord God, if there is any among us, God, who does not see themselves as us, but instead sees themselves as they, those who worship the Creator, or sees themselves as you, those who are self-righteous. They, they, they have their own righteousness that they've built up. I pray that you would call them towards us, that we found, have, have found salvation in a God on a cross who died for us when he didn't have to and rose again and with it gave us hope for a, a, the kingdom of God to be real and present for us. In Jesus